Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice, and got an exciting guest today. Sarah Osborne has come back to visit us. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Thanks a lot for having me back. Great. Oh, well, well, thrilled. I mean, you've got a wonderful new book, Flo and Maud's Christmas Capers, just in time for the holidays, was released in October. Why don't you tell us about that? I'll be happy to. I wrote this book really to try to help people get away from some things that are hard to get away from, like COVID, for instance, mm -hmm. the stress of the holiday season. So it's a book of five mysteries, so you can pick up anyone at any time and read it. It's about two octogenarians who prevent murder. Oh, cool. So we can't travel all around the country at this time, but I can take you to different parts of the country. And these two travel wherever they're needed. They have um, Kate, their younger colleague, who will drive them anywhere, carries the gun, does the heavy lifting, <laughs> and uh, you'll get a chance to see all parts of the country. What I want it to be is funny and intriguing and a timeout. So that's why I wrote the book. Entertainment, you know, just what you need to relax at Christmas time, right? With all the stress, you did that just to give everybody the time out. Why did you choose octogenarians? And that's not your typical age of protagonists. I think I did it for a few reasons. One, I think women of a certain age are going to be the answer to a lot of our problems as we see more of them in leadership positions where they belong. And I also think 80 is the new 60, something like that. <laughs> so, so that means 64 to, is the new 44? <laughs> I think so. I wanted to show women that were really capable, really still on their game, mm -hmm. and show what they could do with their wisdom. So uh, Flo is a curmudgeon from way back. She's mm -hmm. feisty, speaks her mind, often is rude. Maud is a sweetheart, and she tempers. Actually, they temper them both. They both grow during the story. So I just thought it would be fun to write about older women. I think older women are coming into their own. And I, I agree with you. Again, do, choosing the different personalities and the different insights. I mean, if you have wisdom, why don't you share it? Yeah, That's sure. kind of those things. So I think that's really good. So what advice? I know you and I have talked a bunch about you know, having been writers, but he does things a different way. You have several tips, several bits of advice for new writers that I think would be good for you to share. So why don't you impart some of your wisdom? Okay, my wisdom. My wisdom <laughs> comes from years and years of writing and mm -hmm. only recently getting published. Mm -hmm. I, and I love talking to people who, who want to write or who are writing. I think for me, and maybe for others, the first question is, why is it you're writing? And once I answered that question for myself, it made my writing so much easier for me. So mm -hmm. there are a dozen different answers to that. Is it that you want to see your name on a book? If that's your reason for writing, then by all means, write a book and self-publish it mm -hmm. if a publisher doesn't want it. Is it because you need to write? And that was really what I discovered about myself, that I needed to write. I yeah. needed to write every day. That grounded me, that made me happy in troubling times. I could create a world where I had, I was in complete control and I love that. Mm -hmm. So do you write uh, mostly for yourself? Do you write? Do you want to become a better writer? And I hope actually that gets to sort of probably the second piece of advice. I hope everyone who writes wants to become a better writer. 
And that means you're going to need feedback. I think some people think, and I used to think, I'm going to write this book. It's going to be so fantastic that <laughs> agents are going to fight for me. You know, they're just, it's going to be a question of who do I choose? So over the years, I learned that isn't quite the way it works. And maybe it works that way for one or two people, but most of us have to write and rewrite. And I think we all need outside voices to tell us when we're on the mark or we've missed the mark. But don't you think that confidence is good in the beginning? Because if we knew the realities, I think a lot more people wouldn't start writing, you know? So (laughs) maybe that's what you need to humble you. That's what you need to get you going. And then you need to be humbled to accept the advice and, and, and all the other stuff. You know, that's a really good thought because you have to know you can write a story from beginning to middle to end. And what would happen to me over the years is I'd show it to somebody, they'd critique it. I'd stop writing maybe for a year, maybe for two years. So yes, maybe first you just have to prove to yourself you can write a story. And then when the agents don't come flocking to you, you begin to think about how do you revise this story? And that's where that's where other readers, beta readers, my beta readers come in. Yeah. Well, you know, there's two things that I want to think about that. One, when I'm finished, in case I forget, make sure you share how you acquire beta readers, because that's something, okay. again, a lot of people aren't familiar with and they don't know how to do it. But the other thing I want to say is, like you, I needed to write and I have become tremendously multi-published in the insurance industry. That's yeah. where I worked. And because I had to write, I didn't have the time to write fiction and wait for it to get published. Of course, there's my confidence and earn the money. And I have published millions and millions of words in insurance text. So for people who have to write, don't give up if whatever it is you're writing isn't saleable right away or isn't isn't exactly what you want. Branch out, be open-minded, find other ways to write, you know, rather than giving up. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because part of deciding why you write, it's deciding what you write. Mm -hmm. And everyone differs in that. So I know people who think it's the nonfiction writing that is really what they strive for and want to do. For me, it was fiction. So you have to decide. I'm with you there. (laughs) And you you have to choose a genre. I think you have to choose a genre that you want to read. Mm -hmm. Other people disagree, but I don't think so. So I happen to love cozy mysteries because I don't like getting too scared. I don't want to be bored. I want to be entertained. I like the characters. So that's Mm -hmm. what I write. And to take a minute about beta readers, I think in a way... The same issue applies to beta readers. You choose people that you know like your genre or your subgenre. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I would try hard not to show my book or have a beta reader who likes thrillers because she or he will be so bored with my books that don't have a gory death scene every chapter. So do you choose friends or do you choose strangers? I choose friends that I know like to read. So usually that comes from, and I don't choose, I choose family rarely, rarely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it comes usually from book clubs. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if it entirely comes from book clubs. No, I've actually found people in my exercise group when I sort of made it open-ended, you know, who really likes to read this stuff, they wanted to read it. And as you get beta readers, you'll find it amazes me that anyone's willing to do that. Spend hours and hours on your book, your unpublished book, and tell you what they think about it. But mm-hmm. 
even more amazing is that I have a core of people who are willing to do it again and again with me. So they are treasures. But that's good because now you have somebody you know, but there's a little bit of distance between you. Like you said, it's not a relative. It's not someone who's afraid to tell you what they think. But by the same token, if they're not a writer, they're not actually editing the book or copy or line editing the book as well. They're giving you the big picture answer, which is really what you need because you have the skills. You know, when you do get published or someone buys it, they can help you with those. So thank you for sharing that because again, everybody approaches it differently. Everybody has a different way of looking at that, but I know, and I'm sure you're going to agree, no matter how much I think I've improved and no matter how many times I look or edit or revise something, every single time I pick it up, I find something that I want to change or that I view as wrong. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, I can go through, I can edit something four times and think it's great and then go through it. You find a dozen things in it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I usually have three beta readers, so okay. two of them tell me something doesn't work, it doesn't work. Okay. And now I know kind of what my beta readers are best at. I do have some really great editor-type beta mm-hmm. readers. I have mm-hmm. other people who are going to find the facts for me. So if I describe a mansion somewhere and they, I've got a person who says, no, that's really not a mansion from that era. <laughs> this is really what it would look like. Yeah. So it's great. And if you're ready, you really want to share your material. So that's the other part. It's scary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also what I want to talk about, how you deal with rejections. Mm -hmm. Because for me, rejections used to just stop me in my tracks. If somebody criticized something I wrote, as I said, I might stop writing for six months, a year, two years. Wow. I've learned I'm not quite sure how. I don't know whether it's just weathering things or actually getting a book published. That's probably how. Critiques, if they're done by people who respect your work, are what help you get better. It doesn't help you to have somebody say, wow, I just love this. I can't, you know, it's just, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help you at all. It also doesn't help you to have some, well, it doesn't help me to have somebody who kind of is sarcastic or, um, and I've had those kind of readers, not not my beta readers, critiques no. in the past, because they just flatten you. And so you do need somebody who respects what you're doing, who likes what you're doing, and who will give you really honest feedback. And then you need to toughen up. And that just comes with, you know, I think I maybe said this, I don't know if I said this before, but I've looked for agents for 20 years. I've, I haven't found an agent. Mm-hmm. I did find a publisher, which was what I needed. Yep. I've gotten used to hundreds of rejections. So now a rejection or a, even a bad book review, I'll worry about it for a day and then mm-hmm. I'll let it go. And I do read my reviews because if they're not snarky, if they're not meant to be mean, they're always helpful to me. They always tell me something I didn't know, good and bad. I've only had one review that I didn't think was snarky, but that I thought this person, I don't think this person even read my book, but, but that's the only time, you know? Well, and you know, the thing is I've been a member of critique groups over the course of my writing career, which is my whole life since I'm like five. And I think you have a couple of things that you said, and and I think everyone views certain things from a different perspective. I think number one, absolutely. You need the truth. You know, I mean, if someone's reading something and I wrote something and they have to stop and they think something, then there's something not right for that person. 
but the way you express that can be kind. (laughs) It can be respectful. And especially if you know that the writer is sensitive. Some people are sarcastic and snarky and you can do that with them because that's how they are. My daughter, for example, is someone like that. I'm kind of like that, but it depends. Again, it depends upon the person. So I think that it's really important that if you are getting a critique or a rejection, I think it's important for anyone who's sharing that information to be kind and respectful. And that's why when you're choosing your beta readers in the beginning, you, you never yeah. know. I mean, if it is a family member, you know how they are, but you, you don't know what they're gonna say, but there's other issues with that. Now, when it comes to rejection, I have been in sales and marketing my whole adult life in the insurance industry. So I've developed a thick skin. And what I learned early on And if you never did that, you don't learn it. You learn it the hard way. Is that you can't take a rejection personally as, oh, Linda's writing sucks. I don't want to buy your writing because you're a horrible writer. It is that particular individual looks at something and in that moment, okay, it doesn't appeal to them. They could be having a bad day. They could be preferring to sell another genre. I mean, you don't know. There's so many different things. And I chose to go with that. I chose to go with, all right, that particular person just didn't hit that person right. And I'm not going to get another chance. Someone else might look at it differently. The other thing is, I believe, like you said, very few people just write a book, send it off and sell it right away. It takes time. You know, that famous Thomas Jefferson quote, it's not that I failed, it's that I found 10,000 ways to do it wrong before I found the right way. So I chose to say, okay, that means if I have to have 10,000 or 5,000 or however many, every rejection I get takes me closer to that. And I mean, that's what I use, but I think everyone needs to come up with their own mental game to play to get them through the rejection. I agree with that. I was a softie, so I was really super sensitive. And, And my advice there is simply you do adjust. You do grow. You think, oh, it's intolerable. And then you discover, no, it's not the least been intolerable. I can do this. I can brush it off. So you do grow as a writer in all sorts of unexpected ways. You know, I also looked at it too, and they said, you know, you know, depending, I think it depends upon too, what they're saying. If they're saying, oh, this isn't a good fit, that is not as personal as, you know, if they give more input on your writing or they they say what they don't like and and so a lot of it has to it depends upon the writer but I kind of am the kind of person who said all right fine you think it's not good in a few I'll show you and you know that kind of you know so again the the games you play with yourself to build yourself up but again everybody needs to understand I think their personality and find the critique group or the beta readers that help because it's one of those things like you my writing continues to get better and yeah. better and better. Yeah. And, and I don't think you ever stop growing. I agree. So Sarah, hold up that book cover for Flow and Mods so we can see it. Flow and Mods Christmas Capers. Yep. yep. Great. And people can find that on your website, but you prefer them to reach out to you on your Facebook page because that's where you have all kinds of neat stuff going on. And they can find you at Sarah Osborne, mystery author on Facebook. That's right. And they can find all my books on Amazon. So that would be the place to go for that. Yeah. Okay. I love dope. to hear from people. So that would be great. Sarah, thanks for coming back for a visit. I hope to see you again. <laughs> Good. Thanks a lot, Linda. It was great fun. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.